Let's pray. God, thank you for that song that we sang that we can praise you, dear Lord. Thank you for sending your son to die for us and what he went through to live for us and to die for us and to be resurrected, dear Lord. God, and sometimes we may miss the importance of that, God. It may not always make us tremble, but God, I pray that we would focus on you this Easter season and that the times that we take it too lightly or don't think seriously enough about the sacrifice that Jesus made, God, that we would pause for a moment and it would cause us to tremble in humility to know that you have given all for us, that we would tremble in your grace, that we would tremble in the presence of your love, dear Lord. So we thank you for that, and I pray that you would draw us closer to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. We are getting ready for Easter, so taking a little pause from our Revelation series. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21 this morning. If you want to flip there, I would encourage you to do so. Matthew chapter 21, just the first nine verses. We're going to look at a few short verses today. I have entitled this message, A Tale of Two Cities. It may not make much sense now, but hopefully in the next few minutes it'll make a little more sense. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. We will read the text and then we will dig into God's Word. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say that the Lord needs them. And immediately he will send them. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, then they laid their robes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their robes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spread them, and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning and I thank you, dear Lord, for these words. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would speak through me, dear Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in our heart that your spirit would move in our life this morning, dear Lord, that you would receive the glory. And if there's any soul in this place that hasn't accepted Jesus and acknowledged, and acknowledged him as your salvation that you sent to this earth, God, that they would do so today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. I wanted to set the tone to kind of understand <coughs> the significance and the importance of this event for the people of Jerusalem, the people of that day who were awaiting this Savior to come to them. And so, as I began to study this text this week, I was thinking, how would we react if we saw this one who was supposed to be the Savior of the world? What would our, what would our view be? What would our 
what would we envision this Savior who was going to come to be? What would we think him to be like? Would we have acknowledged Jesus as Savior back then? Would we have written him off? Would we have still continued to look in a different direction? So I, I, I begin to think about these things in, in kind of a modern day term because my brain works kind of simple. And so I kind, of, I kind of have to think about things in modern day. Like what if I was in that situation? So I want you to use your imagination with me for a minute this morning. Imagine for a moment, if you will, that we in these United States begin to face times of war. Or we begin to face attacks of terrorism that, that grow greater than what they are now. We begin to go from a country that's free, that's striving, to a, to a people who's just barely hanging on. To a people who has completely abandoned the Lord. To very few who want to follow the Lord. There's, there's war everywhere. There doesn't appear to be any hope. We still have a, a capital city in Washington, D.C., and, and, and that's where most of the people have gone to gather around to wait as these hard times pass by. And then we begin to hear, over a few years' time, we begin to hear of a, of a soldier. We begin to hear of one who is, who is doing mighty things. People begin to talk about maybe this is the one that's going to turn everything around, the soldier that's going to come in that's going to win the war. And we begin to hear these stories, and we begin to hear that this soldier's going around and doing all these wonderful things and healing soldiers who have been harmed and taking care of those who are in need. And there's finally some good in the world, and there's some hope. And the war is raging on against us, and all these bad things are happening, and it seems hopeless. But we continue to hear these stories of this one soldier who's going to come. And in our minds, we begin to envision... Boy, I, I can imagine a soldier coming that was seven foot tall. Maybe some would say, oh, he's I mean, maybe eight foot tall. The stories begin to grow. How mighty must this soldier be? I bet he's got a bazooka and I bet he's got a machine gun. Probably got a rocket launcher. You never even know. This guy's going to come and he's going to rescue us and, and he's going to restore the balance and everything's going to be good and there's going to be hope. And so, so people begin to imagine this hero is going to come and for years these stories build. But no hero comes. And people begin to lose heart. People begin to think, this is never going to happen. This hero's not going to come. And then one day, lo and behold, here comes riding over the hills and through the streets, this little guy in a Jeep. Beep, beep, just beeping his horn. Normal looking guy, five and a half, six foot tall, doesn't look like anything special. And he drives up to the base camp and you say, who is this guy? And he says, I got good news for you. I came to save you. You remember all those stories you heard about this, this wonderful one that was going to come and do all these great things that was going to put an end to the war, that was going to save you, that was going to make everything stop? I'm that guy. Come on, follow me. Get in the Jeep. I want to take you to, I want to take you to security. I want to, I want to take you to a place of hope. I want to take care of you. I want to save you from all these things. People look at him and say, that Jeep ain't big enough for you, barely. Oh, come on, I got room. There's room for everybody. And not many people would follow. They say, look, we're waiting for the big soldier to come. We're waiting for the tough guy to come. And this little soldier, he'd go from town to town and he would go on his way and he would tell people, follow me, I'm the one that's coming. I'm the one that you heard about. And some did. And some didn't. And he continued to go until his work was done. And then word came that this soldier had died and that his body was gone, and some say he even rose from the dead, and there were many that didn't believe it. And there were many that kept waiting, and they said, you know what, there's a soldier who's coming. The Rambo-like guy. 
the one who's really tall, the one who's really strong, the one who's going to come with an iron fist. And one day, would you believe, years and years later, they begin to hear these rumblings. They begin to hear all these things take place. The ground begins to shake. And over the top of the mountain drives a big giant tank. And they say, here he is. He's finally come. And the door of the tank opens and up pops out. Who is it? Lo and behold, the little guy that come through on the Jeep. And they said, Lou, we want to follow you. We want to be with you. We want to be on your side. Thank you for coming to save us. And he said, look. I tried to get you to come when there was an opportunity. And you've missed your opportunity. And now the one who they thought was going to come and save them comes and wages war against them because they chose the wrong side. Instead of choosing the Savior whom they looked at who could have saved them from all the war and everything that had taken place, the one who had finally come, they missed him. And they weren't with him. And because they weren't with him, he was against them. Now that's how I kind of imagine the story of Jesus in our modern day time and our modern mindset. But that's exactly the story of Jesus Christ, maybe not with tanks and jeeps and with bazookas, but the story holds true. You see, the people of Israel had heard for hundreds of years that there was a Savior who was coming, that there was one who was going to come and who was going to rescue them. If you want to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, don't worry, we're getting to Matthew. We're not going to miss it, I promise. If you want to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read just a couple verses. If not, just listen carefully. These are some verses that prophesied about Jesus, the Messiah who was going to come. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now this is just one of many texts in the Old Testament that point to a Messiah who is coming. That point to one who is coming to lead the way for the people. To point to one who is coming to save them. And the people of Israel, all throughout their history, if you read in the Old Testament, they were in constant conflict and it was usually because they were disobedient to the Lord. There were constantly enemies who were around them who were beating them down and they, were, they were, uh, just faced horrible times. They were always facing a stronger enemy, but they were holding out hope because God continued to promise that He was going to send one that was going to be their Savior, one whose kingdom was going to be built on Him, who would reign forever and ever, who would rule everything. And the people of Israel, they waited, and they waited, and they waited for some 400 years from the time the end of what we call the Old Testament and the time of the New Testament. And lo and behold, one was born. Just like the prophecies in the Old Testament said. And we see Jesus. He grows up. We don't see much about his childhood, but he eventually grows into a man. Probably around the age of 30, he begins his ministry. He begins to go all out over the world, and he begins to tell people in every city, follow me, I'm the one. 
He begins to do miraculous healings. He begins to do all these things to show people that He is the Son of God. He begins to tell people that He is the Son of God, the one who has come to redeem humanity. The one who was prophesied in the Old Testament has come to be their Redeemer and to be their Savior. And there were many who saw Jesus and said, This can't be the guy. This can't be the guy. See, they were expecting some wonderful warrior to come. A warrior that would come mounted on a white horse and who would come down with armies and who would rule over and who would uh, 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 redeem the people of Israel and who would wage war against all their enemies in the Roman Empire and all those evil people of the time and that Jesus would set up his kingdom and they expected somebody who was going to come with an iron fist to pound everything into order and to wage war. But lo and behold... What they got was a man who rode into town on a donkey. Now go figure. Now we talk a lot about people, I do at least, I talk a lot about there were a lot of people that didn't follow Jesus. But you know what? There were a lot of people that did. There are no telling how many countless of thousands of people followed Jesus Christ. And here in our text in Matthew, we see Jesus making his entry into Jerusalem. Now this was important. Because up until this point, we had seen throughout the Scripture many times, we had seen Jesus do a miraculous thing or tell the disciples something or disciples see something or people get healed and He'd tell them, look, don't go out and make a big deal about it. Jesus wasn't drawing attention to Himself in that way. He wasn't bragging or anything like that. But there came a time where Jesus was, it was going to be made known that this was the one who was coming. That this was the Messiah that was prophesied about in Zechariah chapter 9. That's right, Zechariah chapter 9, he prophesied that this very thing would, would happen and that the king would come riding on a donkey. And this entrance into Jerusalem signified that this was the Messiah. This was saying, look, this is the one whom you guys have been waiting for all these years. Matthew 21 when he approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples telling them, Go into the village ahead of you at once. You will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say that the Lord needs them, and immediately he will send them. So here's the scene. Jesus sends uh, the disciples to go and get this donkey. Now in Matthew's account, we have a donkey and a colt. The other Gospels also talk about this same entrance into Jerusalem, which is kind of a rare thing because while one or two may talk about one thing, it's very rare that they all four mention the same thing. But all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, mention this story. They mention this, this grand entrance that Jesus is making into the town of Jerusalem. Now the other three accounts just mention one donkey. Now Matthew mentions two. Was it two or was it one? I don't know. I don't really think it affects the story in any way whatsoever. But he sends his disciples. He tells them if anybody questions it, just, tells them the Lord, just tell them the Lord needs it and all will be well. We actually see, I believe it's in Luke's account where they go and they ask and somebody says, well, what do you need to do with it? And they say, the Lord needs it. And they just let him have it. 
I kind of I thought about Star Wars. Some of you may have seen it, where there's a scene where Obi Wan Kenobi's got these droids that Darth Vader's looking for, and, and he does these mind tricks. They say, "Hey, those are the droids." He says, "These aren't the droids," and they say, "These aren't the droids." Now I know that there wasn't no mind tricks going on with the disciples, but I believe the Holy Spirit could have worked in a similar way, or maybe this, these people just were were happy to give the donkey to the Lord. I don't know. But they got the donkey just the way that Jesus said they would. He said the Lord needs it. They gave it to him. And they brought this donkey back to Jesus. And Jesus mounts this donkey. And he begins to take his journey into Jerusalem. And what a wonderful journey it is. The people are in celebration. The people are rejoicing. Because these people here, they realize that what was prophesied about all throughout the Old Testament, they realize that it has finally come to be. The one who has come to redeem their souls and save their land and give them hope has finally made it. Now that's reason to rejoice. And we need to be a little bit like those people. Sometimes we come in and we're in a bad attitude or we're having a bad day and we come to church and all right, let's hurry up and get it over with. We're going to get through quick and let's go... And we're not always excited to come worship Jesus. I'll speak for me. I'm not because sometimes I just have a bad day. But this is the attitude that we should have any time we come before the Lord, whether in prayer or whether it is to come to church or wherever it may be. This is a glorious thing that we have a Savior who has died for us that we can come to worship. And to usher him into town, they begin to lay their robes on the ground and they begin to cut palm branches and they begin to lay them on the ground and Jesus began this wonderful entry into Jerusalem. He was the king of kings, lord of lords, and he saddled up on a donkey and he's headed into town. Now why in the world would God choose a donkey? Well, here's why I believe that God would choose a donkey. It says here in verse 5, Tell, daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Now that was a reference to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And here comes Jesus fulfilling that. It says that Jesus comes to them gentle and mounted on a donkey, a beast of burden. Now look, when Jesus first came to this earth, there were many people who were looking for one who was going to be like a war general or who was going to come and wage war against all of God's enemies and lift up Israel and they were going to be just this mighty nation and all was going to be well. But Jesus didn't come the first time to do that. Jesus came the first time. He came to bring grace. He come bringing mercy. He came with compassion for the people because he looked out among all the people that were there that were listening to him preach and it said that he feels compassion on those people in the text because he saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus came to be the good shepherd, the one who would lead those who would come to him, the ones who would come to that grace because Jesus came preaching good news. Now, it's not that everything was rosy. He talked about hell. He talked about some tough stuff. But it was he used it in the sense, he said, look, I want to tell you the good news, but there's also some bad news. There's also some things that you're doing. You need to turn from these evil ways. You need to repent and turn to me. And Jesus was bringing good news to say that I am the one that can deliver you. I am the one that can give you hope. And here we see Jesus on a donkey, and he's gentle. What we saw in Jesus come the first time, was a gentle Jesus, a gentle Savior, one who came to bring hope, and one who came to carry 
our burden for us. You see, he was riding on a donkey. The Bible says it's a, a beast of burden. Now, we don't use a lot of donkeys now, but you can imagine in those days, if you had a donkey, you might load him down with all kind of stuff if you were going on a journey. And could you imagine having to tote a bunch of heavy stuff? Now we just throw it in the car or in the back of our truck, and then it ain't no big deal. But a burden would be, uh, a donkey would be something that might be loaded down with things. Maybe it'd be uh, a person. Maybe it'd be just things that it had to carry. It was a beast of burden. And I believe that's representative of our Savior. That when Jesus came the first time, He was ushered into the city of Jerusalem to be the one who would take our burden for us. He would take the burden of our sinfulness for us. That's what Jesus came for. You see, the devil would tell you, you need to hold on to all these burdens that you have. You know that sin that you can't get rid of? The one that the devil says, you know what, you're not good, you need to give up, this is too much, God can never forgive you for that. That's a burden for us. All these things we have to put up with and the anger in the world and, and all these things that we see all the time and going to work and people being mean and having hard times and having bills to pay and living in sinfulness, all these things of this world are a burden which we can't escape, which we have no hope from on our own. But Jesus says in the Bible, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That was the message that Jesus came to bring when he came to this earth the first time. He came to tell people, Look, I want to take your burden from you. And the same is true for you and I. The same is true for everybody in this room. Jesus wants to take your burden. You cannot forgive yourself of sins. You can't buy forgiveness for sins. You can't come to church enough to get forgiveness of sins. You can't say long enough prayers to get forgiveness of sins. But you can accept Jesus Christ and get forgiveness of sins. Jesus wants to take that burden. I'm telling you what, what a Savior that is. There's a bunch of junk in my life in 32 years, a bunch of junk. And you know Jesus saw that before he died on the cross and he still did it. And not only did he have my junk, he had your junk too. All that burden that Jesus had, and he said, I want you to bring it to me, and I'm going to have it nailed to the cross. When they nail me to the cross, all of our burdens will nailed with Jesus so that we can receive his forgiveness if we choose to accept him. There were some in the Bible that didn't. There were some that hung him on a cross. They never chose to accept him. They rejected him. There were many in the Bible who did choose to accept him. We see those right here in the text. As Jesus is being ushered in to Jerusalem to be the burden, uh, to carry the burden of our sins so that we may receive forgiveness, we see a crowd of people who is praising him, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The people are offering. Jesus praised because they realized who he was. When Jesus came the first time, he caught some people by surprise because they were looking for a different kind of Messiah. They were looking for that big, strong, tough guy who was going to come and wage war. That's the Messiah they wanted, but that's not the Messiah they needed. You see, the Lord realized that the Messiah they needed was the one who would take the burden of their sin. Because if Jesus would have come the first time, raging war against sinners, guess what? Everybody would have died. There would have been no forgiveness of sin. None of us would have hope. 
But what God realized is that there needed to be forgiveness. Is that there had to be someone to carry that burden of our sinfulness. And to pay a sacrifice that would be worthy to God. And that sacrifice was Jesus Christ. Who came willingly and lovingly to take your burden. And for those people who have missed Jesus all these years, maybe it's some of you. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when He comes back, He's not going to come back gentle. And He's not going to come back to carry our burdens. Let's read in Revelation chapter 19. We see a stark contrast here in the Bible between the instance of Jesus coming into Jerusalem the first time and when Jesus returns the second time. Revelation chapter 19. I want you to look at the similarities uh, in the sense of, of how they are so opposite. Jesus came gently and mounted on a beast of burden the first time. But when Jesus returns, this is what's going to happen. Revelation 19 verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse. You know who rode white horse in times of battle? The one in charge. The victor. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war in righteousness. In case you didn't know, this is Jesus on the horse. You see, the first time Jesus came, he was gentle. He came to give himself as a sacrifice. But when Jesus returns, he is coming to wage war. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war in righteousness. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe stained with blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. It will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's going to be a, a good day for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. Because those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, we are the victors. We see that at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Jesus refers to those who turn to Him and seek Him and accept Him as Lord and Savior and are obedient to Him. Jesus says those will be the victors in the end. And for those who have accepted Jesus Christ, we will be those armies of victors who are with Jesus when He comes to wage war on an unrepentant world who has rejected Him. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I want the gentle Jesus. But if you've never accepted the gentle Jesus, the one that came to bring grace and mercy, all you have to look forward to is the Jesus who's going to come and wage war and wrath. Are you going to be like those people in Jerusalem that's still in our world today, the old Jerusalem, the Jerusalem that we still see? 
the people who are going to welcome Jesus into their life, the people who are going to believe what Jesus said when Jesus says, I am the Son of God and I want to take your burdens. And he showed it a few days later when he died on a cross and rose again. Are you going to believe this Jesus who comes to you gently and the Holy Spirit may be tugging on your heart today because God desires to give you that grace and mercy? God doesn't want you to have to face the wrath that is going to come when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. God wants you to be spared of that. But you must accept Jesus. You must give Him the burden of your sin. He wants to take it. You must come into His gentle arms and you must ask for His grace and mercy and you will receive it. Are you going to be like the Jerusalem that we read about in the book today? Because the Bible goes on to tell us that when Jesus returns, that there's going to be a new Jerusalem. The old Jerusalem will pass away and there's going to be a new Jerusalem. And in it are going to be those who have accepted Jesus Christ. And in that new Jerusalem, there's not going to be any more tears. There's not going to be any more suffering. There's not going to be any more wars. There's not going to be any more work. There's not going to be any more of any of these nasty Stupid things that we don't like on this earth. It's all going to be gone when the new Jerusalem comes. But if we don't accept Jesus Christ like those in the old Jerusalem, we won't make it to the new Jerusalem. If we don't accept the grace of Jesus Christ, all you have to look forward to is the wrath of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful season of year that we have set aside and we call Easter. It's a wonderful time for us to reflect on what Jesus Christ did. And he died for you so that you could be forgiven. But it's up to you to come to him and accept that. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning and I thank you for your wonderful word. I thank you for that first entrance that Jesus made into that city of Jerusalem to give us hope. And I thank you for the hope of the new city, the new Jerusalem that's going to come when Jesus returns. That we're going to get to be with you for all of eternity. God, I pray that you help us just to reflect on our lives. Maybe those of us in here who are Christians, we just have gotten lazy and sidetracked and not seeking you the way that we should. I pray that you would help us to recall the the powerful meaning and words of that song, God, that we would tremble in acknowledging you for who you are. God, I pray that if there are some in this room that don't know you, that maybe the day for the first time they got it, dear Lord. Maybe your Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit is just tugging on their heart so that they would seek Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would just urge them to do so today, that they would come to you and ask for forgiveness that they would repent of their sins, that they would accept Jesus Christ, the Savior who came on a donkey to carry their burden, that they would accept Him today and ask to be forgiven. God, I pray that in this season that we rejoice in the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.